Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and welcome back to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. Today, we have on a very special guest, Dr. Emma Brodzinski. Now, as you know, if you listened to the Closer Today clip last Tuesday, Emma has bravely come onto the podcast and opened up um, not only about her infertility journey, but about her emotional abuse that she suffered during her childhood. When I asked Emma to be a guest on the podcast, she took a little bit of time to come back with me on what she wanted to talk about um, of how she became her own hero and I want to read you the email I know I did this on the closer today clip but if you didn't listen to it I'm going to do it again or if you have listened to it here it is again hi Monica the thing that is really on my heart at the moment is dealing with a fertility journey after having experienced some kind of body trauma and how fertility treatment in particular can trigger all sorts of stuff I have a history of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse, and as a result, I had really cut off my relationship with my body, and my fertility journey is where I realized I really needed to get back in touch with it and learn to love my body. Now, anyone who has dealt with any kind of um, trauma during their childhood knows how hard it is to open up about these things. And I personally, from my experience and from what uh, Sarah and I discussed on the podcast a few weeks ago, I feel like even um, emotional issues that happen during your childhood really kind of goes in. You carry it on through your you know, adolescence and young adult and even into being an adult. And um, this baggage that we take with us Um, through um, growing up can have a really big impact on not only our emotional well-being but our physical well-being it's all very linked and um, it's hard to see because you don't see it right like you're not seeing your emotions and you're not seeing the um, you know down to a cellular cellular level can't even say the word of what is going on um, in your body when you hold on um, to the past and um, you know it's not about letting go of anything because let's just face it letting go of anything that has affected us during our childhood is um very easily said than done and it just doesn't happen that way we all know that but it's about dealing with them you know i guess first recognizing that we even have an issue um i've talked about loads that you know i didn't even realize how insecure i was you know until my infertility journey highlighted that and then finding your way your right way of taking control of these past emotions and events dealing with them and um you know moving on through life a much happier and healthier person I feel really honored that Emma decided to come onto the podcast and share her story with me and all of you guys. I think it takes an extra level of bravery to really put yourself out there, especially it's just so emotional and being vulnerable and letting other people know that they're not alone. I truly hope this conversation with Emma opens a lot of doors for more conversation like this and anyone out there listening who has been through something similar gives them the strength and the support they need to help tackle these issues and be able to do the work necessary to reconnect with their own body. So without further ado, here's the lovely Emma. So welcome back to another episode of the Infertile Diagnosis. Today we have the lovely Emma. 
from London. It's kind of making me a little homesick. Not that I feel like UK is my home, but yeah, it's nice to talk to a little British accent here. Um, so give us a little information about yourself and about your infertility journey. So it's very gorgeous to be here, first of all. Um, so then my fertility journey. So it, it was many years um, and with two different partners, which when I say that, it sounds awful, right? <laughs> but um, it, that's the truth of it. So it, it started um, with my first husband. And then so I, we were trying to conceive and ended up um, kind of being referred for IVF with unexplained infertility, but that relationship then sadly finished. And then so a few years later, um, with my second husband, <laughs> we, um, again, we, were, we ended up on a journey and ended up um, being referred for IVF. Um, for unexplained infertility so the, the, of course there was so much that went on in between that but those are the kind of those are the big milestones I guess it, well there were no there were loads of milestones in in the middle of that um, I'm very good at rambling Monica so you might have to you know <laughs> That's pull out so it was a long one it was unexplained infertility and ended up at the IVF clinic okay yeah. Yep. And so um, when was this? What year was it? So this, so it's, hmm, blimey. So starting off, because this, this ran through my kind of my mid to late twenties. Um, and then my babies were born. So I had triplets when I was 39. So, and I'm now 48. So this is so a while ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is before Instagram, Facebook. This is before all the amazing yeah. books on the shelf. There was, yeah. you know, like myself, very little information. You were on the yeah. chat groups, um, you know, getting any kind of support or advice. I mean, Google was around, so you probably killed yourself with Google. <laughs> the wasted mm -hmm. hours. Um, and like we're still finding now in fertility clinics, it is a very, let's just look at your ovaries, your womb, the sperm. And if we can't explain it from there, then you go to do IVF, right? There was no diet and lifestyle. There was no mental or emotional support. It was just, this is how you make a baby if you can't make a baby naturally. Yes. And, it, and this, I very nearly didn't go through with IVF because that approach horrified me, horrified me. And I remember going to the clinic open evening and they were showing us the, the hatch they showed us this hatch i'll never forget it because they were showing us the biosecurity right and you know and it will be passed through this hatch and i was like this is just awful i don't want there to be a hatch involved in in and and in the making of my bed because in my mind it's always been about thunder and lightning and and this gorgeous conception moment that's what i wanted and so i came away from that and i was like there is no way i am doing that i'm not doing it it's horrific um, and I had a good friend who taught me down and said, well, kind of let, you know, just look at that. Think about that. Think about what you, how you are going to go forward and make your child with love. And so that switched something up. Well, we'd already, I'd already been on a bit of a journey to that point anyway. And having arrived there kind of going, I am going to love my body, which we'll talk about more in a minute, I think, but I'm going to love my body and this, I'm going to, I'm going to love this child in, into existence. Um, I then made a deal with myself is that if I went through IVF, I would do other things too, that it, the IVF would be part of a story. It would not be it. And so I made sure that that was part of a whole set of practices that I was doing to support myself, to bring, uh, to bring my baby into existence. Um, and what did and those include? I gave everything a go really, but no, I, it, it, seriously, it was actually about a range of practices. So of course the, the basics in terms of diet and nutrition, and as you say, there wasn't an awful lot of information out there at the time, but I hunted it down, whatever was there. Um, and, but it was also about, um, 
a lot of soul work actually for me. I, I always said that this was boot camp for the soul and I, it was a lot of work work on myself which ranged from yoga like I found yoga and I fell in love that and still that sustains me to this day um but also I mean I did Reiki and um uh shamanic journeying and I, you know I threw everything at it but actually I can tell this story in a range of ways. One way is like, oh, I just did everything and it was a bit crazy. Actually, when I look back on it now, it's like I was I was filling myself up. I was making sure that I was open to the universe and I was filling myself up with good stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so I did kind of acupuncture and all of those kinds of things. Um, and I also and I kind of created rituals for myself. Um, and took that whole process of kind of healing and entering into a motherhood phase really seriously. Yeah. So that for me, this was not a clinical story. That was part of it, mm -hmm. but I refused to let that be the be all and end all. Yep. And so three, you, ha you have triplets. Was it the first go? Did you do Because I'm an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> in a way in a way it of course i hit the jackpot and I, that blows me away but also can i interrupt you there real quick so when i did ivf in the uk they were really strict on how many embryos they put back in was that the same for you why so did they, you get three back in i didn't get three i got two two and one, and one split, split. <laughs> two and one split but i think there was so much energy there was so much energy there that um it it kind of it's like that, that i really yeah i i felt that 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 doesn't necessarily make sense does it but no, it does because the thing is you were putting in a lot of hard work right it wasn't um like you maybe cut out glue in a little bit and you were doing a little bit of yoga you know well, i was all in all this was in. my job this was my job you were visualizing the future you were hyper focusing on your ivf treatment and your um your journey but in a very positive way you weren't thinking the negative thoughts and i don't want to say that to people in the sense of like that's what you have to do to get pregnant because at the end of the day that isn't the be all end all if if you are working on all your inflammation and all that those positive thoughts are even going to increase your chances like for me if I didn't sort out my inflammation, it didn't matter how happy I was. If I was shitting out rainbows, I wasn't getting pregnant. So yeah. there is a balance, but you were all in with everything that you could, you were doing that you had information of, you know, right. You didn't have the overwhelming information. Maybe that we have too much of today. It's true. It's true. But yes, I knew, I knew that I had to, this was a time to focus on me. And actually, I think, because my focus had been not on me um that 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 was really important it was really important it was a gift to myself and it was a gift to my potential future children and like you what i'm not saying is oh just be positive and that's nonsense really so you can't just be positive but focusing and really saying this is what i want this is really what i want and i'm going to go all out for it um and work on what i need to work on work on the, the scary stuff yeah um, so that's um gonna kind of be our our topic for uh today you know we're all about being your own hero and um for you ivf was a massive trigger for some past events in your life can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so i think so it, because ivf brings you well the whole the fertility journey to start with brings you into a relationship with your body now for some people they're already in a relationship with their body <laughs> for me i was in well kind of not in a relationship or in a very problematic relationship with my body i'd experienced um in my teenage years um sexual and emotional and physical abuse in at home and at that point there's there'd been 
a kind of a, a shutdown, which I, of course I didn't really realize that at the time, but knowing what I do now as a therapist and having done a lot of therapy, um, it, this, is, this is what happens, that actually the psyche protects itself by doing what, what we call dissociation. So you kind of, a part of you, and you can see it, it's explained in different ways and different practices, but this sense of, of kind of coming out of your body, that your consciousness kind of leaves your body. Shamanically, which is, I'm getting much more interested in that now, that there's a kind of sense of the soul leaving the body, but psychotherapeutically, a sense of, of, a, of a splitting, of a not being connected anymore. And that makes sense because your body isn't actually a safe place. It, it's you I was not physically sexually emotionally safe and so it makes sense that I kind of went that part of my psyche went I need to keep myself okay and I'm going to leave that so coming to this as I say in my in my early 20s or mid to late 20s I had set my life up so that I wasn't particularly in contact with my body I was an academic you know that that being I excelled intellectually and um that I was very happy in that world I was about ideas and I was up here in my head and my body was a, a way to get me from one place to another and I wasn't yeah wasn't really connected with what was going on at all but then trying to get pregnant of course I then was like oh right well now I, I need to start to think about my body and that then brought up, there, was, there, were, there was lots that didn't feel good about my body. I didn't feel good about my body. I didn't feel connected to my body necessarily in a positive way. I didn't look after my body particularly well. And again, that's very usual um, after trauma because the messages that I'd had about my body was, you know, I wasn't worthy. I mean, that would literally been sent to me. I wasn't any good. There was, there was that... It, it, it was it was for somebody else to do whatever they wanted to and that that was that um and so I needed to I kind of came to thinking about my fertility which which really for didn't make sense to begin with in terms of very slowly of course starting to think about my menstrual cycle becoming aware of that like this was we I was really at that place Monica she was there was that fantastic it's you know what I I'm really shocked um of how many people I speak to that did not know their own menstrual cycle like I like for me I was always regular every time you know whatever I can feel ovulation so in my mind like every woman knows that right that's just that's what it is and in reality it's not and um i want to go i want to step back because um with your abuse your sexual abuse did the door just get shut on it after it finished and you didn't talk about it to anyone and you just left it there or was there a, a time that you kind of dealt with it a little bit before so I think the journey. Yeah, I'd, I think I'd done a little bit of work for myself. I hadn't really had any counselling or anything. I mean, I think we we're going back a while now. So this is the this is the eighties, and even then, it would be you didn't wasn't really. It's kind of do you want to go to the police or not? Oh well, you know that was, and I didn't want to go to the police about it because it was you know it was that, that wasn't the. I didn't feel equipped to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so actually that didn't get processed very well at that time. Yeah. And it was kind of left for me to do what I could do with that. And what I did with that, looking back on that now, what I did with that. And in many ways, kind of successfully yeah. is when, okay, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to live my life in it in a way that this doesn't matter. My body doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think I felt like I had dealt with it. I felt like I had processed it, um, but I hadn't really. Yeah. And so, and and I think then on that on that first on that first leg of the fertility journey, if you like, actually coming into a relationship with my body 
was it was a was a challenge and i welcomed that actually on that on that part of the journey i ended up having a phantom pregnancy where my my i, I ended up i didn't have um periods and i, I kind of my body my mind had convinced was so much wanted to be pregnant that my body kind of did that and I think again that shows the disconnect that I had I, I didn't really know what was going on in my body my mind was running the show um so then on that the kind of the second leg of the fertility journey if you like is when when I really got I by that point I'd had some I'd had some therapy <laughs> so okay. by, by that point it gets a bit more I was like, okay, right. So yeah. we, you know, we, I know what's going on here, and I think I'd had some therapy. But I, I, again, the thing is that these things aren't fixed easily, and it would be silly to go, oh well, you know, you just do this, and then you're then you're fine, because that isn't how it works. Um, but I think I knew more that of the deeper work that 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 potentially needed to be done. I guess yeah um, what was your um what was your first thought when you were like oh shit I really have to deal with this because it's not going to go away and it's going to actually cause it m even more issues and maybe it was the biggest catalyst for your infertility was that m emotional disconnect what was your what was your thought process in that were you I mean, scared I guess nervous I'm a bit of a Pollyanna and I think actually, I think I'm a Pollyanna in a, in a way that is that, that I think. Okay, just for our American viewers, what is oh, right. Pollyanna? <laughs> so Pollyanna is a, is a kind of optimist and seeing things in a, in a positive way. And actually, I think that has been, in a way, it's a kind of pejorative term in terms of, oh, you're a bit of Pollyanna. Actually, I made a conscious choice because I could have fallen apart in terms of what had happened to me. But I was like, do you know what? I'm not going to. I'm going to see the positive. And that, that is how I live my life in terms of looking for the, the positive way forward um, which isn't always the easiest way is it but it's the kind of is is the positive way so I think what how it came about in terms of that work was not oh my goodness it was kind of like what's the what's the invitation here of kind of like this this in order for me to fully be open to this what do I need to do? Does that make does that make yeah. sense? And more so, that was more what it was about. And in terms of me being all out for it and being open to whatever it took. And I remember, I remember, actually one night going, I will do like to the universe. I will do whatever it takes. I will do whatever it takes. And so then I knew that that meant some serious attention to loving myself is what it came down to really so, you know yeah. that was the bottom line yeah and so what um steps what tools did you use to start dealing with this so I, again it was very baby steps <laughs> to begin with really tiny in, in terms of loving myself because again this is this is quite common as i as i know now but that sense of not actually having compassion for yourself because if that's not if that's if you've had that kind of trauma that's seated in you in terms of not loving yourself what the messages that you've got is not about valuing or loving yourself so actually listening to my think basic basic things which i which i knew were good for my fertility but also were about paying attention to myself is resting when i was tired instead of push push pushing resting when i was tired that was massive for me because you know i was, I was a workaholic and it, it it that sense of really just dropping down into what does my body need what does it need and it blew my head off i mean ashamed to say it now but i remember looking at a chart of the kind of chinese medicine and the body at different times of day has different organs kind of in a sentence and i was like what <laughs> what my body has needs and it processes it like it blew my mind but I tried to listen to that and be attentive to that to give it good food and not just rush it through to sleep when it is so those were that that was the kind of baseline mm -hmm. when I'd got that down it was the kind of 
this the sense of when I got that down that sounds like I'd sort it all out which of course is a constant journey yes um but the ne the next kind of level from that was what are the nurturing practices that I can put into place so that that because that ba the baseline of getting enough sleep that's just like that's your that's maintenance isn't it which I didn't have I didn't have the good maintenance um and so then nurturing myself whatever that meant so in terms of I started to go and get um shiatsu massages and um aromatherapy massages and I was telling myself you know, the, the argument with myself because again this split self which is very common when when there's been some kind of trauma because yourself has split you've dissociated so part of me is like well what do you want to do that for I was telling it that this is this is good for my fertility so that's how I kind of bought myself the passport if that makes sense but actually it was was looking after myself so and so my world really shifted in terms of yeah making myself feel okay because what we know what we know in terms of going into that ivf environment is that is traumatic in itself mm -hmm. that that thing and it's still it's still i still feel that now that thing of going in and having to take your knickers off and be examined all of that horrific and i kind of that that i to begin with, I could feel myself again, because what happens with dissociation is you feel yourself leaving your body, just literally sweeping out. And I didn't want to do that because I wanted to, to be there and I wanted to engage with the doctor. I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to be present. And to do that, I needed to feel okay in myself. I needed to know that I was okay. Um, so that those kinds of self-care practice, which self-care has got such a, it's not it doesn't always yeah, get it's a good got rap. a bad rep doesn't it it does it, uh... it sounds because it sounds silly but i love audrey lord this fantastic um i don't know if you this fantastic activist and feminist writer black feminist writer talks about self-care as an act of warfare and i love it because it is it's radical this is radical for me to be in my body and be able to eyeball the doctor and ask questions and not be intimidated and not you know, because lying passive on your back while someone examines you, that is massively, of course, that's huge and massively triggering. Yeah. But what you also need to say to women is you it doesn't have to be like that. I just want to say that while we're talking about it is like you can ask for what you need, what you need. That, so that's really important to remember is that if, that if you need somebody in the room with you, you can have someone in the room with you. If you need to have anaesthetic, you can have anaesthetic. If you want to have it, music playing whatever you ask for what you need yeah don't let that be a situation where you are made passive i feel so passionately about that um yeah it's crazy how we get like a deer in the headlights when we go into a doctor's office i mean i even found it when i became my own advocate and um we specifically went to this clinic to do this immune testing and we got talked out of it the guy was like, you're not having reoccurring miscarriages. You don't need it. It won't be for you. And we're like, okay, did another round of IVF. It failed. <laughs> Just like, like yeah. crazy as women, uh, you know, I think, I think I always say, I feel infertility brings out all of your insecurities. Yeah. Either you make it, um, like we have, we take charge of whatever the shit happened to us in the past and make yeah. it into a powerful situation or it will make you shrink. And it, like you really, um, yeah, you start wilting, don't you? When you get into those vulnerable situations because mm -hmm. you haven't allowed yourself to do the mental healing that yeah. you need to do. And, but it can also, so I think that sense of claiming it as your space is really important to me. And then the next level, so I do, I want to, yeah, so I want to say so many things about that because I'm passionate but taking it to that next level and making it my space, I did flippant things like I wore orange knickers. I bought myself a pair of orange knickers. Now, I suppose this was partly about, you know, healing my sacral chakra, which I do think there's, you know, believe in the chakras. And partly it was, so it was about that, but it also was a symbol to myself. It's like, 
this is this is me this is my space this is my my body my space i'm choosing and for my so that was for a, a collection for transfer day i had a whole orange outfit on <laughs> i was I, and i had think you know took things in with me made it my space and and that i think is really important whatever that means but you are you are more than an equal partner in that these people are your team right yeah. this is your team they're not in charge <laughs> they're not in charge and of course i don't want to get into bashing clinicians because they're amazing and then they, they know that stuff but in an ivf situation you are well you're the center of what's going on there you, you should um, be right exactly and they are on your team you invite them onto your team and i think that is really important and that's how i went into it it's kind of like this is my body and my journey mm -hmm. I see my partner too this is our this is our journey um and you you are, i'm gonna i need to try i need to welcome you into that but yeah i would i will ask questions i will make myself comfortable i will do what i need to do because that is really important and i do not want to have another situation i say i made a deal with myself if i go into the ivf thing it will not be like that it will not be that clinical pacifying yeah. situation that makes me feel rubbish about myself i won't i'm not going to have that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And we were talking before we started recording and I, as many as my followers know, I lived in the UK for 14 years. I now live in Hawaii. I did all my unexplained infertility bullshit over there. Um, some through the NHS and then we went into a private clinic and um, we were talking about driving, you know, for us Americans hopping in a car for two hours is nothing, right? And um, we were talking about how we, and I did it too, we were sent to one clinic in the very beginning and we just went. We did no research about the clinic. We just followed blindly down this path. We had a horrendous experience um, and nothing against the NHS, but it, that's just what it was. It was NHS in Leeds. We, I felt like cattle. I felt like, you know, just yeah. getting driven through. We were in this room, then we all got called through. We had the curtains, then we went one by one into a collection and your husband went away. And it was, it was horrendous. Mm. And luckily, um, not luckily, it failed, but luckily the doctors told us there was nothing they were going to do. They couldn't change any drugs, anything. We'll just try again. And both me and my husband, we were stupid and naive, but at least we were like, that's not good enough. And we went and sought out a clinic that um, eventually did help us, but um, we drove an hour and a half. I used to drive an hour and a half to get bloods done and drive right back. And it's about taking that power. If you need to go through that journey, it's you know, don't look at it. You know, I spent my time in the car on podcasts and that's where I got all my knowledge. And that's how I changed my mindset, changed my view about my eating, about my infertility. And I took that time, which a lot of people can look at really shit. Like it did suck. Don't get me wrong, yeah, yeah. but I made it a positive. I made it my own. I made it like you did. I, this was my journey. It wasn't going to be Bach standard. Just go to the clinic, come back, listen to what they say. Um, so it is like for anyone feeling out there that you don't have control of the situation, you do, you have so much power. Yes. And I, I was determined to make it magical. I was determined that it would be a magical, healing, beautiful journey. And it was, and it was for me. And it kind of, it, it, and that, I say, I don't know how to make it not sound daft, but that sense of kind of, yeah, of, of it empowerment yeah. of kind of this this look i'm going to call this in i'm going to make this happen which not make the not make the pregnancy happen make make this change in myself that's what i mean make the change in myself because i'm i knew that i needed to make that change and now i look back on it and i i needed to make that change of course, you know, I, I knew I needed to make that change for me. This was not, a, this was not, I wasn't really living. Yeah. So actually this was a kind of, this is a wake up call for me. The children are an amazing blessing in that. And that's, that's what switched me on to making that journey. Mm -hmm. And now having made that journey, that means that I can be, I have ended up as a single mom of triplets with a daughter who's severely disabled, but that boot camp 
that gave me the strength to keep going. Now I've got those practices. Now I know I can handle it. I can handle it. Right. Because if you go through that, if you go through that, this, the IVF journey is horrific, or the fertility journey is horrific, but IVF journey is super horrific. It, it, so we're not going, oh, it's just positive and love it. But you, you, can, you, you can handle that. And if you can handle that, you've got it. Exactly. And I, like, I tend not to say it much because I know going through infertility, the last thing you want to hear is just wait till you have kids. Um, it, it, it does suck hearing that, but I always say, I'm so glad I sorted my shit out before I had That's my kids true. because, um, I'm very fortunate. My kids are healthy. They're beautiful kids. They're happy. That was the number one comment I got through both of their babyhood that they were such happy babies. Um, but it was still hard. And there's times that you, you too want to just punch a wall. And if I didn't sort who I was out, I would have been a shit mom. And I would have yeah. just, you know, all the baggage I was carrying, I would have put onto them and it would have just yeah. repeated itself. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at any stretch yeah. of the like imagination, but, um, I know that my, I took my journey and I sw- you know, I just flipped it and I'm a better person because of it. Yeah, no, exactly. What I exactly because what I don't like you. What I don't want to say is, oh well, you know, you've got to that. That is not just wait till your mum. That isn't what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is because I think a lot of the time you feel like this is wasted. I just want to be a mum now. This is wasted time. I'm wasting time. I'm wasting time. You know, my babies didn't come till I was 39, and I was. But you're not. You're not doing that work. Is not wasted time. Isn't yeah. it? It really isn't because I say this is it, this changed my life. It changed my life, and it, it that was I say it was it was boot camp. So it was it's not like it was easy, but it I am so grateful for that experience now. Does yeah. that make no? Yeah. No, I'm not grateful. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't ask for it again. I wouldn't ask for it again. But it it's. It really was. It was a. It was a magical, transformative time. Yeah, it changed it wisely, right? Yeah. What was the biggest struggle you had um, changing your mindset, especially in the connection of your abuse to yeah. you know, your physical um, being? I think it's about fear. I think that was about fear, and that fear, that fear of authority and having someone having control over me. That was the thing that was at the center of it. I think. Um, and so taking control was so important for me. Taking control in the little bits in terms of I'll decide when I, where I come in. I'll decide that, you know, those little moments are really significant and you can do that. Take that. If that's your experience, absolutely. Show yourself that you can make the decision. Sometimes I would do things like, you know, when they hurry you off down the corridor, I would deliberately walk very slowly because I would be saying to myself, Emma, this is your journey. They may be looking for the next thing, but you are doing this for you and you can take your time if you need to today. So things like that, um, to, put myself in, to put myself in the driving seat because fear, as we know, contracts and cut everything down. And I didn't want to be in that place. I wanted to be open. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to be ready. And I wanted to be ready to get pregnant and you know do that thing ready for the next bit not um fearful um and yeah not fearing what was going to happen being open and knowing that I could knowing that I could handle it so that was a real challenge it the fear was massive and as I say those particular being prodded and poked that that was that was massive that was massive and so doing doing the work when I knew that that was coming as I say like going out and buying myself a gorgeous outfit so I'm like I look good I feel good and this is this is my like I was like a princess <laughs> going in there and again it might sound superficial but to me that was really important because that was me going this is my special day mm-hmm. yeah um, and it was and I say I did things like I had people write me um little prayers and blessings that I had in a bracelet around my wrist as I went as I went in um so that 
all around me I had stuff all around me that was supporting me mm-hmm. um, that makes sense does that make sense yeah yeah definitely no I mean it's I think sometimes all this woohoo stuff um isn't cool or you know you think it's not going to work or you know whatever your like process is about it the thing is is don't do it just because you are scared of what other people are going to think it's not about that they're they don't know I mean even you don't have to tell them you don't have to Instagram yourself doing it you know like leave your phone at home do whatever the fuck you need to do. It doesn't matter if anyone else thinks it's crazy. It's what's in your head. And that's what's going to yeah. get you through it. Exactly. No, not, that, not a million likes on Instagram. You know, like. no, exactly. And I think that's what I love about your, your thing of be your own hero. And it's like, be your own hero and be your own. Do what you need to do for yourself. Because you, you are there for you. You yeah. You are there for you. All those moments, you are there for you. And I think that that my experience of not being there for myself, literally not looking after myself, not being there because I was apart from myself, it was an opportunity to come back into myself. And um, and then then there was trouble because then you're you're then you're a powerhouse, right? Then you've got you've got all of yourself together. Mm-hmm. And I think there's all sorts of work that you can do on that. Um, and and you will know your heart will know what you need to do yeah yeah and you'll and you'll get there in your own time I think too I think sometimes um you sit there and listen to anyone and you're like nah 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 and then all of a sudden a few months later you're like maybe <laughs> maybe I'll try no exactly it, exactly and it's like and it's like you saying don't don't do stuff because you think you ought to be doing it if I do that then I which we we all you know I've I googled with the best of them what did she do to get the successful <laughs> thing but actually that's the that's the challenge isn't it to do what is right for you because that's the and that's often the most difficult thing because you're doing it because you know you need to and our own stuff is always the most difficult stuff to deal with much easier to kind of yeah deal with an external thing than actually go "Hmm, I know I've really got to sort this out haven't I Mm -hmm. yeah 100% and I think even when you somewhat sort it out it's still always going to be a part of you, isn't it? And you're still always going to constantly work at being better because of it. But, um, you know, I heard Mel Robbins say that something the other day that just really resonated with me. She said, your triggers are always going to be there. You're never going to get rid of your triggers. It's how you deal with your triggers. And I was like, oh, that's good. (laughs) Totally, totally. And that sense of kind of, and that sense for me of kind of like, look what my body might look look how that that kind of that that sense of my body becoming mine now that sense of my body i'm i choose what i do with it i choose what happens um and and i i know what my triggers are and i know yeah how and i would say with your triggers what i've been trying to do is for the most of it i mean i can't get rid of all my triggers in my life but um the ones I have can, I do. So um, Facebook for me, I got off of a really long time ago. I'm on there. You can find me. I don't use it. It's not on my phone. But um, it's just watching other people's lives, especially during infertility. Um, and the moment I got off, I was downregulated. So I was basically in menopause and you're just a hormonal mess when you're that. And I found out one of my friend's babies died from a cord accident six weeks before they were born. And I just thought, what the fuck am I doing to myself watching other people's lives unfold on a platform that means nothing? I know sometimes we feel like we are connecting with people on Facebook, but in reality, we're not, right? It's a it's a very weird mental thing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, to anyone who you know is on these social platforms and doesn't feel like they can get off of them but they're causing more harm than good even you know nowadays it's the thing to do to put sensitive posts before you scroll over to the next picture i mean that's that's triggering in itself right and it's i don't know um you know you want to be there for your friends and your family but i feel like there's better ways if those things are triggering you. And for me, I, I couldn't deal with it. I was like, right, that's it. Often 
you know, I'm a better person because of it, you know, and the people mm. I want to connect with, sometimes I'll go purposely look on their Facebook page, comment on a picture, or I'll text them <laughs> personally, right? Most people you want to know about their lives, you have their phone numbers, like, mm. you know, like I always laugh that my, you know, the big invention for my mom was the phone when she was growing up. And now we don't even use our phones. Like we get annoyed when someone calls us, right? We're like, oh, no, someone's calling me. I have to hear a voice. <laughs> Like, oh my God, oh, where have we gone wrong? But yeah. um, anyways, that was a little diversion. But well, I think that it's all about your own boundaries, isn't it? And what your boundaries are. And yeah. that, that's okay. Because I think this whole fertility journey can really, can really trouble that, the boundaries. Because you literally have to let people into your space and into a very intimate part of your life. Um you know, even if that's discussing it with a naturopath or what, you know, or kind of you're, yeah. you're, you're opening up, you're opening up that part of yourself. Um, so that, that boundaries can become really blurred and actually putting, putting stuff back in place can be incredibly empowering to go, yeah. uh, you know, as a therapist, I, I'm always saying it, the, the most, one of the most powerful words is no, like just saying no is massive because it, you might need to be just to hear yourself say no, no to that conversation, no to that, say no to that Facebook, no to going out to that party, no, whatsoever, to know that you are looking after yourself. Yeah. And that is a brilliant, it's a, an amazing message to yourself. Mm -hmm. I care about you. Yeah. And it's, um, I think kind of everything that you said, it's all the little things add up, right? Yeah. They might not be the be all end all of, um, of your mental health or your fertility journey. But when you start adding up all those little things, a huge impact, a, sh a huge shift happens yeah. in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I was going to ask you um, about your diet and lifestyle changes other than what you've talked about, but I think you kind of answered that for us. You know, you did kind of um, so, or seek out some kind of dietary changes. Could you tell yeah. us just a little bit about that? So I did. So I um, well, I say for me, <laughs> it was really, really basic in terms of eating properly to start with. But I did, I did then start to think about, I did research into the, the different supplements that I could take, what, you know, what I might need to supplement my diet with, thinking about the protein. Um, and again, I'm very, very glad that I did all of that work because then having a triplet pregnancy, that was so important. I know my body at that point was in the best place that it has ever been mm -hmm. um, because I'd looked after it so well and I made sure that things were in balance as much as I could at the time. I think if I had the information now, partly I think having the information now would be amazing and partly I think it would be completely overwhelming because there's so much out there. But, yeah. but at, that, at that time I did. So I, I used to have a kind of breakfast smoothie and, and then a lot of supplements that I would take and eating, make, was careful about my eating and drinking the water. Definitely the, the hydration was massive for me. Yeah, it was just about being mindful of what you put in your body, yeah. right? Exactly. Um, and and uh, I mean, you kind of just answered that, you know, do you feel the, the importance of sorting out your physical and mental health before you come before you come pregnant and yeah. then, you know the health yeah. of your children relies on that as well your health before and during pregnancy yeah and I mean of course of course I just of course it's all possible to not and to not but but I think that sense of that gift to yourself mm -hmm. um and I say for me I I don't know if I would have been able to sustain that pregnancy because you know especially in the early days they, they they were just needed all of that good yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah. so um i was so so grateful that i had done that work that had never even been on my radar that that might happen but i was so grateful that i'd done that work because i was like i know that i've got everything possibly that i could give <laughs> that yeah. It, yeah, here. Exactly. yeah and so we talk about hindsight being a bitch with everything you've been through you've learned, you've studied, you've lived, what's one piece of advice that you would give to anyone going through infertility right now? I think it's about that, that self-compassion and that self-love and 
not in the woolly way, but in that radical, in that warfare way, in that kind of this, so I am going to love myself in this and I'm going to love myself so much that I'm going to listen to myself before I listen to anybody else. Because I matter, my body matters, um, and this is my journey. Um, that that would be that would be what I would say. Yeah, it's a great piece of advice because I think a lot of us don't do it. I know I didn't do it for years, and um, it, it's a game changer once you take control of yourself and you start fighting for you and your future children. Um, okay. it, it, it's crazy, isn't it? We'll we'll listen to the lady over the road. What, and what she thinks about the situation rather than you know or someone at a bus stop and we'll go oh right well you rather than going what do i th- what do i know about myself and what do i think about myself and it's kind of like we we know but that's the real i think that is the real challenge especially if you if you've had a difficult journey that's told you that you've got the message that what you know is nothing that you are nothing that you're not important actually to kind of go do you know what i am and i am going to listen to myself and, and to feel the power of yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's scary, but, um, and hard, but worth it for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the infertile diagnosis and thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, it's a very brave thing to do. It's not easy one to talk about an infertility journey and then to, um, you know, an emotional, physical, you know, journey before you even start um uh thank you it's very brave and i think you are going to help a lot of women out there um let them know where they can connect with you so um i and we've just been saying don't go on social media but i am, I am on facebook so i'm dr emma Brzezinski, and i am on instagram as dr emma Brzezinski, and i my uh website is emma Brzezinski.com. and i i yeah i I'm looking at, I was talking to Monica and saying, I'm looking at offering a, a program that particularly is around this, this area. If people feel like they wanted to, well, to, to want to reach out and talk to me anyway, I'm always there. And uh, if you wanted some extra support, very happy to see how we can make a journey together. Yeah, I think you're going to um, start producing some stuff that um, a lot of people need and just isn't available at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's going to be some amazing time for you guys. Um, again, thank you very much. And I'm sure we'll talk soon once I make it back to the UK. Hopefully at the end of 2020, we'll have a cup of tea together. Lovely. All right, Lovely. Bye. Bye. A few more things before you go. You can find all the links to anything talked about on this podcast, especially how to connect with our special guest. While you're down there, make sure you leave us a rating or a review. It would totally help this podcast out. If you would like to connect with me more, head over to the website. It's mymindfulme.com. There's a free membership over on the website where you can connect with like-minded people and really push your journey forward. We also have all the videos that I do up there for you and uh, the newsletter goes out about two, three times a month. And we also have pre-registration for the Fertility Reconnect course. It's a six-week course to help you really dial in what's going on in your body, what foods you can and cannot eat, and we're going to dig deep into the mental blocks you're having and how it could be affecting your fertility health. So that's it. Thank you once again for joining us on the Infertile Diagnosis and have a beautiful day.